Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Allah'ım iftah aleyna bi hikmetek ve anşur aleyna bi rahmetek ya da celali ve ikram ya alimu. Allimna min ilmike ma tarda bihi anna ve la tuakhidna bima ta'lamuhu minna. Ya halimu khalliqna bi khuluqin hilm ve haqqiqna bi haqqaiqin ilm. Subhanaka la ilme lana illa ma allamtana inneke enten alimun hakim. Ve sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahibi ve sellem. We're here again on Monday night with the spiritual aphorisms of Sayyidina Shaykh Ibn Ata'Allah as secondary rahimahullah ta'ala and we left off last time on number 59 on number 59 and in this one qala al-musannifu rahimahullah ta'ala wa nafanallahu yahu bi'ulumihi fi darin amin قطع السائرين له والواصلين إليه عن رؤية أعمالهم وشهود أحوالهم أما السائرون لأنهم لم يتحققوا الصدق مع الله فيها وأما الواصلون فلأنه غيبهم بشهوده عنها سوي سعد رضي الله عنه Enough, and Allah, Allah be pleased with him and give us and him benefit from his knowledge in this life and the next. Amin. He said he prevents those who are voyaging to him from witnessing their deeds and those who are united with him from contemplating their states. He does that for the voyagers because they have not realized sincerity toward God in those works. And he does that for those united with him because he makes them absent from contemplating those states by contemplating Him, Subhana. So as we've seen throughout uh, the Hikam so far, there's very often a, a comparison between those who are Sa'irun and those who are Wasilun, those who are voyagers or travelers, and those who have arrived at their destination. And so he says, radiallahu an. Again, in this one, one of the differences between them. One of the things that we find over and over again is that um, those who have arrived, their concern is no longer the concern of uh, the people who are on the path. So the people who are on the journey, they're worried about things like whether or not the car has enough gas and staying in their lane and having enough food to make it through the journey and trying to have some good company along the way and any roadblocks that might show up, detours that occur, so on and so forth. They're worried about all those things. But the one who arrives at the beautiful majesty of the witnessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then none of those things matter anymore. It's not that they're not doing them. It's not that they don't have to get done. But it's just that the um, the magnitude of, the, of, of what they're experiencing makes them, takes them away from those other things. Okay? So what is he saying here? He's saying that the Sa'irun, the voyagers, they have been barred 
from seeing their deeds. And the ones who um, are united with him, see this is one of those examples of where the translation kind of hints at something that might not, that's not really there. Like this and wasilun they're not united with Allah. They're united in like a, maybe in the sense that their experience of their closeness to Allah makes it so that that's all that they are experiencing. So it's as if they're together with him, but it's understood that they're not actually together with him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, because he is Allah and they are his creation. So, but those who are have arrived to their relationship with Allah, then those, uh, he bars them from witnessing their states, from witnessing their states. So they might have amazing internal experiences of love and joy and um, just completely overwhelmed with their experience. And he'll even cut them off from that. He'll bar them from that. Now, but they're not the same barring, right? The ones who are traveling and they've been barred from seeing their deeds, they're barred from seeing their deeds because they're so concerned about whether or not those deeds were sincere and truly for Allah that they're not paying attention to them. Right, so they're like, okay, I did this thing. I Maybe I did, I helped somebody with some issue that they needed help with, right? But they didn't pay that any attention because they're not convinced enough that they were sincere in it for it to be accepted in the first place, so they don't really pay attention to it, okay? At the same time, um, so that's, that's, that's one state of affairs. The other state of affairs is the one who has arrived in their relationship with Allah. Then for them, Allah um, prevents them from seeing, from seeing their own states because they're so un- they're so encompassed with him so it's not that they're worried it's not that like they don't have the same they're they're both prevented from something but they're prevented from different things and for different reasons okay so the point again is that this but either way the person is not supposed to be um like so proud of the things that they've done right like they do what they did if they're still you know if if they're still focusing on those things then they should be worried about the sincerity in them. And if they're just at a point where they're experiencing God in such a profound way, then they're just worried about experiencing God. They're not worried about those other things anymore. Okay? So this is 59. 60. um, is very interesting. says that مَا بَسَقَتْ أَغْصَانُ ذُلٍ إِلَّا عَلَى بِذْرِ طَمَعٍ مَا بَسَقَتْ أَغْصَانُ ذُلٍ إِلَّا عَلَى بِذْرِ Which roughly means, were it not for the seeds of ambitious desire, the branches of disgrace would not be lofty. The branches of disgrace would not be lofty. So what is, he, what is the image that he's uh, building here? The image that he's building is that you have this tree now with these amazing branches and an edifice of this tree that are filled with all of these branches of humiliation. There's disgrace and humiliation. And um, so, so what is that? Like I see some level of 
I was humiliated for this or that or disgraced in this or that or whatever it might be then why why did all these things happen so he says these came from and this is not like necessarily um, someone oppressing you type thing this is more like um, maybe I'll, I'll try to come up with some examples after I finish explaining what it is but but where do, what is the seed of that the seed of that is this tama so the seed is the tama and the seed the tama is this ambitious desire so the ambitious desire is like that longing of the nafs for some particular thing so it's like the person you know i just really wanted to be accepted so bad by these people you know this group of people i just really wanted to be accepted by them i really wanted them to like me and to be friends with me and so on and so forth and so i endured like whatever human it kind of reminds me of like um um uh what do they call that rushing for a fraternity you know they have these they you know they have frat week frat week was always such an interesting thing to me but um you know they have the fraternity and like the you really want to be in with this crowd right so whatever whatever means of hazing that they come up with they might make you dress in some dumb thing or they might make you do something that's ridiculous and humiliating and then they might get you so wasted on intoxicants that you have no idea what you're doing with your life and all this kind of stuff and you're willing to go through all of this disgrace all of these lofty branches of disgrace are there because of this tama, this desire to be part of that group, right? Now, obviously, that's an extreme example, but there are um, many, many other examples as well. Like maybe, maybe someone wants to get ahead in their job. They really, you know, they just have this ambition to really get ahead in their job, and in order to do it, they re they they keep putting themselves in these positions that are questionable or in circumstances that are questionable and then uh, and then eventually they're they're in some sort of situation where it's like they're being they're they're enduring some sort of humiliation or some sort of disgrace um, probably from a from a higher up or whatever it might be and all of that goes back to that need that ambitious desire that need the tama that's like eating away at the person but if the person's if their only honor and their only need and their only power and their only concern in the end of the day is Allah then they cannot be subject to this sort of dis this sort of disgrace from other people in the same way right um, it's kind of like there's this wonderful quote of Ibn Taymiyyah that when he's talking about being persecuted and stuff he says that what can they do to me my my Jannah is in my heart and if they put me into prison, then that's a spiritual retreat for me. And if they and if they kill me, then that's martyrdom for me. And if they do this, then it's you know this and this. Everything is like some sort of positive interpretation of it. Either it's martyrdom, or it's a spiritual retreat, or it's a means of expiation of sins, or it's or it's or it's or it's. So what can they do to me in the end? Because I'm not seeking anything from them. And because I'm not seeking anything from them, then there's no humiliation that I can receive from them because everything is with Allah. So in the commentary, he mentions this verse, So all honor and might and power and everything else is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's from Allah. And the, another verse, 
all of the honor and, and might and, and dignity and everything else is with Allah. So, uh, is that person going to subject themselves, put themselves in some sort of situation where they would be liable to um, be disgraced by other people? No, they're not going to do that. Maybe they might be oppressed. They might be different things like that. But they wouldn't. That wouldn't be some sort of like there wouldn't be disgrace in it. Um, so what? Is, where does it come from? It comes from that that seed. When that seed of desire and ambition, tama tama is a very particular word. It's like when you really want something and you can't get it out of your head and you're just going after it. Um, and it can sometimes, you know, it can. Uh, it will lead people to things that are not really good. So that leads us actually to the next hikmah. But um, <coughs> let me read this line of poetry also that the commentator mentions in this one for number 60. He says, تَطْمَعُ فِي لَيْلَ وَتَعْلَمُ أَنَّمَا تُقَتِّعُ أَعْنَاقَ الرِّجَالِ الْمُطَامِعُ So it says, are you, you have this desire for Layla? And do you not know that it's these it's these desires and ambitious desires that are what breaks the necks of men? That's what breaks their necks, is that they, they they have this they're bending over for all of these things that they shouldn't be bending over for because Allah gave them dignity and honor. And so that's what should keep their back up. That's what should keep them straight. That's what my am I good with my Lord? If I'm good with my Lord, then I have everything that I need and my honor is intact and so on and so forth. And this, of course, is the sunnah. This is the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa wasallam. Okay, so sixty-one. This is then tied to it, because what leads a person down that path of having this ambitious desire for something that's not worthy of that desire? Okay, so they have now this this pull towards this thing that is going to humiliate them and bring them disgrace what is it that takes them down that route so he says ma qadaka shay'un mithlun wahm ma qadaka shay'un mithlun wahm which means nothing leads you so much like suspicion suspicion is not probably um, the best translation here it's not really the best translation wahm is an important word. It usually comes up in the beginning of the beginning of the works of uh, of of usul fiqh. Um, even imagination. Someone said imagination, um, fantasy maybe. So wahm is like. Let me explain it. Um, I would say it's more close to like delusion. Uh, even fantasy is not probably as negative <laughs> as as wahm is wahm so what they'll say for example is there's there's ilm right that's to know something and that knowledge that you have about that thing corresponds with reality so this is knowledge and then there's there's a dhun dhun is like when you're pretty sure about something but you're not really sure you know you're pretty sure that it's maybe you're like 75-80% sure that something is this particular way but you're not entirely sure so there's ilm and then there's dhun and then there's shek and shek is when um, is when you're kind of like half-half you're not sure if it's this way you're not sure if it's that way okay 
Then what comes below that is wahm. So wahm is like when you th- when you think something. It's kind of like you think something is one way, but it's not really that way. It's it's related to ignorance in that way. So it's like a false. It's like a delusion. It's like a, a fantasy or a delusion. Imagine, but ma- imagination again. It's not negative enough. Um, it's it's just a wrong idea. It's like you have an, a conception of reality that's wrong, and um, it's 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 just going to lead you in all kinds of ways. And it could be some suspicion. There can be some su- suspicion in it, but it's like, for example. Um, The person thinks that um, you know the only way that they're gonna have a decent life is if they marry so and so this particular person and so now they're willing to do all kinds of humiliating things and put themselves in all kinds of compromising situations in order to accomplish that thing that they are certain is going to be what they need in order to do well in life and to be um, to be successful in life and so on and so forth and so now they have they have this wham that's an incorrect understanding of the reality and that then is what's driving them so this is you could also translate this as like nothing drives you like wham nothing drives you like these um, uh, incorrect analyses of, of the world that are existing around us This incorrect perception of a situation um, And that's really kind of like a scary thing, right? So He says that um, So basically what he's getting at is like Sometimes what will happen Is you'll find that you have more drive For that thing that's not actually right and the thing that's not really the thing that you should be doing. Um, so there's like, uh, so I'll give you an example. Here's an example. Someone is studying. They actually mentioned this one. Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghadar, rahimahullah ta'ala. He mentions this one in one of his books. In the footnote, I can't remember which book now. It's probably Safahat min Sabr al-Ulama, but I'm not sure. Maybe the value of time. Anyways, he says that one of the mistakes that the student of, of learning will do is that the student of knowledge will have their curriculum that they're supposed to be following and rather than following that curriculum they will go and read everything else so they'll go and read everything else and like this issue and that issue and this thing and that thing and so on and so forth and wherever it takes them that wham is because they're they're thinking to themselves like no, this is so much more important, this is so much more interesting, and I need to focus on this, and I need to know that, and so on and so forth, and whatever. So, And that's driving them in all this. It's, it's, they spend hours and hours and hours and hours doing that. And then they might sit down and be like, actually, you know, I really need to um, do my work. <laughs> I need to study the thing that I'm supposed to be studying right now. I need to... Um, uh, and uh, I need to focus, right? And now they don't have any, they don't have any drive. You know, could read on whatever for 10 hours. You know, whatever I felt like I read it in 10 hours, but the thing that I actually really should be reading, I can't even spend half an hour reading it. Right? Because I'm not being driven 
in the same way for what is right and what is true as I am by those things um, that are incorrect. Um. <coughs> uh, how does one differentiate from Wahm and reality? does one differentiate between Waham and reality reality so one of the things that he kind of pushes at in this commentary is that one of the major um, is to believe that a person is getting some sort of benefit from created things Instead of knowing and recognizing and trusting that true benefit only comes from Allah. So, how does one differentiate between what is a wahm and what is true reality? Is to try and understand what is being asked of them in terms of the obligation of that moment. So a lot of this is based on actually kind of like not just following what one wants to do but trying to analyze what is it that I should be doing and why. And a lot of times when I start to ask that question my own personal desires and everything else will start to mix into it. So we have to fight that in order to obtain some sort of objectivity. And keeping good company and having people that you look up to to speak to and stuff like that can help because, you know, having trustworthy, honest people around you sometimes helps you to realize that what you're actually putting emphasis on is not actually the thing. not actually the obligation that's in front of you is not actually a thing that you're supposed to be focusing on um, and this is why sometimes when the person starts going down kind of like a serious spiritual path they can go through periods of seeming decline and the reason is because all of those things that they were doing before, they weren't actually doing them for the right reason. So maybe they were doing a lot of stuff that seemed really good. But their, their motivator for those things was not right. And so when they start to really analyze and think about it and so on, then they find that actually, because now they're not being driven by the wham, they're being driven by something else and it takes some adjusting to... Um, get to a level where they can you know take on the kind of things that they might have been taking on before and and if they're able to do that then they will actually take on more 
because now they won't um, have the same limitation. Um, someone asked, for example, I feel like I just gave like four. <laughs> I don't. I, um, can you clarify what you would like an example of? I'm not trying to be. That was kind of a jerk response. I apologize. Um, of someone doing good things for the wrong reasons. Okay, good. So I'll give you. I'll give you a personal example. Thank you for clarifying your question and being patient with my inappropriate and ill-mannered response. Um. So an example that I often, I've, I've given before that as, as a personal example is that when I first came into Islam, I was very passionate about praying Fajr in the masjid. And that's, you know, a good thing. That's in general a good thing. And I um, was really, really passionate about it. But most of my discourse internally and sometimes even externally around that action of praying Fajr in the masjid was very judgmental. And it was like, look at all these people. Like I'd get on the road to drive towards... towards um, um, to drive towards the masjid and in doing so judge all of the people who are waking up early in the morning to do other things but not going to pray and judging all of the Muslims that can't get out of bed and you know stop hitting the snooze button and go and pray Fajr and all of these kind of things and so all of these so now I'm, 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 I'm doing an action that is seemingly good but really I'm doing it out of arrogance um, someone could be lecturing and teaching about religion and really they're only doing that so that people look up to them and respect them and praise them and tell them they're smart and eloquent and influential and all of these kind of things. These are all examples of... So, so they're all in. And they may not even realize it. And that's the scary part is they may not even realize it. They might think that they're being really sincere with their khutbahs. And their khutbahs really are just them trying to um, have everyone look at them. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, good teachers and good company are so important. Uh, Brother Ali says in one of his songs, he says, um, the eye can't see itself. And he says that the no matter how sharp the sword is, it can't carve its own handle. And so, you know, it doesn't, if one doesn't have some help from outside of them, then they're going to come into problems. Uh, the question about Surah Al-Hujurat and the word suspicion there, no, it's a different word actually, it's a dhan. Ijtanibu kathiran min al-dhani inna ba'd al-dhani ithm. But it's suspicion, that's why I said this suspicion is not really probably the best translation for the context of what's being said here. What's in the verse is suspicion. It's like thinking things about people and, um, you know, not really knowing them, but thinking like, oh, look at so-and-so, they're doing this and that kind of stuff. Uh, are there ways to get rid of this type of arrogance in one's own good deeds? Um... 
Yes, one of those is to do good, to try to keep one's good deeds hidden as much as possible, to not always talk about them. Um, to keep them hidden, to not seek praise for them. Um, and again, to keep really good company to keep really good company and to stay close to the books of spirituality and stuff like that that, get, that cause you to reflect upon these things <coughs> so in a way don't we have a sense of wahum when it comes don't we all have a sense of wahum when it comes to different things so is it natural it's uh, I mean I was it's part of the human condition but we are called upon to be better than that like we are called upon to understand ourselves and to pay attention to that and try to get a grip on our motivations and to try and analyze things properly and think about things properly and to separate our own emotions from it um, and our own personal interest and self-interest and so on. I mean, this is very much a part of the spiritual path and the intellectual journey of Islam is to... Um, you know, is is to make those, is to separate those things and understand things as they are and to work through them. Um, someone said, is it okay to share one's good deeds for the purpose of encouraging others? Um, you know, it can be, that can be an acceptable thing to do, but um, it's a slippery slope. So, uh, you can, you know, but just know that in doing so, uh, one is subjecting the things that they've done to some some potential threat <laughs> of of these kinds of diseases and so on. But you could you could say like you know. But oftentimes I think that it's um, there's plenty of other examples outside of myself to try to use uh, to encourage people towards good. Usually there's a lot of examples of things you shouldn't do that I find in myself, though. So, <laughs> only if I could pay attention to my own mistakes. Uh, a good example is everyone working on the front lines in this epidemic. Most of them, most of those I've worked with are not Muslim, but no one is expecting praise for what they are supposed to do, even though their life is most at risk. Yeah, that's a great example. That's that's a sign of sincerity. Whether or not it's it's sincerity with God, you know, Allahu Alam, but it is a sign of sincerity. It could be, it's a sign of sincerity to something bigger, to s some sort of commitment to something that's bigger than the person themselves. <coughs> okay, so this is sixty-one. Sixty-two. He says. Says, So there's that word Tamir again comes from this is the one who's doing tama from the the one that we had two two uh, hikmas ago that the one who is doing tama is a person who is tama 
they're just like you know like biting at their fingers they want that thing they want it uh, whatever it might be so he says in your despairing you are a free man but in your coveting you are a slave so what is this what is it saying it's saying that that which you don't have any hope for despairing means you don't have any hope for it it might get a little bit confusing because usually that's not it's not like a negative despair here it's it's like you just don't have hope for that thing that's not you that's not your world um so you're free from it because you don't have any belief that it's ever going to come to you in the first place or that it's something that you should be really worried about in the first place or whatever it is and that thing that you think is part of your circle of concern um that you're a slave you can become a slave to that thing uh i think that very much like a part of why we are and this is you know there's been plenty of articles and stuff about that i'm not the first one to say something like this but a lot of our kind of like mental and emotional health issues that we face now um are related to this and why are they related to this they're related to this because every single time i turn on or i look at my device and i get on social media i'm seeing a picture of like oftentimes a choreographed and staged picture of someone else's not reality but at least what they're putting out there and so i start to think that's what i should be having and i become a slave to that right and then i feel like so upset about it and so on and so forth whereas when it's not really my thing it's not my thing i'm not really like have you ever thought about like all these people that lived in places that were super simple and rural and country and like they're eating the same food every single day that's just they don't really care because that's their life they don't really know anything else right or the extent of them knowing something else is that they may have heard a story like someone went to the city and they came back and they're like oh my god can you believe in the city they eat different things for breakfast every single day like they don't eat the same thing for breakfast every day and the person's like whoa that's insane like what do they do well one day they have cereal and the other day they have a different kind of cereal and the other day they have a third kind of cereal and they even have different kinds of milk and then they'll have some eggs and then they'll have like some oatmeal and this and they're like whoa that's crazy like what is oatmeal you know and then they explain because <laughs> it's, it's not their it's not their world right and so it's just like some imaginary thing that's out there but i'm i despair from that being having any sort of connection to my reality so i'm free from it but now but then like what happens when you take all of those people and um and you put like a satellite dish in their home and now they watch the tv and everything they're watching on the tv is not their reality and now they want those things so now they become in the coveting they become a slave to those things in the coveting they become a slave to those things um it's like that story what's that famous story about uh like the fisherman that was in the village and he's catching some fish and they tell him well you know if you caught some and then you sold some and they like take them on this whole business model what is it right now you have these few fish and you just catch them and then you go home and you eat them right and 
but you could do so much more because there's so much fish here so you could do this and that and like they developed this whole plan and then what 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 and then they get to the end of it and it's like and then you could go home and eat the fish with your family <laughs> like it's the same it's this, the arc the whole arc goes and the whole like all the work and all of the trouble and all of the trial and everything is to get to that same point that was already there in the beginning right but they were free from any of those they, they, that wasn't their you know they weren't caught up with that stuff in the first place they were free from it because it wasn't so this is not like a negative despair it's like a despair that I'm not even like that's not something that's even I care about so I'm, 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 I'm free because of that and this is why oftentimes in kind of like some of the some of our talks and stuff I, I will mention this statement of uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu where he said, He said, be rough and tough a little bit because blessings will not always last. Because blessings will not always last. So, if I'm like, I have to have certain things whenever, you know, I have to have meat with my meal, then I am, depend- I am creating some level of servitude to that meat. Or if I have to have like I just have to have my cup of coffee in the morning and I know this is a sore spot you know <laughs> I just I can't function without my cup of coffee in the morning well then you know it's probably a good time to take a week and go through the pain of being taken away from your cup of coffee and then uh, you don't have to be you don't have to be a, a slave to that coffee anymore and then you know go through it again and then maybe you get to a point where you have to take another week off um, I had a, a professor in college who used to do this and talk about this. He was our um, he taught us about addiction. So he was talking about how like the body it gets like some sort of stimulus from this thing that you give it, and as it gets accustomed to that stimulus, that peak kind of drops, and its baseline changes, and then it gets to the point where when it knows that stimulus is coming, your body will actually drop in order to break even after the stimulus he's like so i know when this is happening he'd always have his coffee he's like and i know when this is happening when that cup of coffee is not doing for me what it used to do for me before and i know that my graph internally has shifted and so i leave it for like four or five six days to to readjust the um uh the um the interaction and then I'll, i'll go back to it again um, but my point is like being like we should seek some level of simplicity and easygoingness and in, in the things that we need in life right like do I really like how much hot water do I really need may, not, may Allah not test us with these things right or how much food do I really need or how much variation in my food do I really need how much um, comfort do I need How? Do, what does my bed need And of course when you look at the life of the Prophet His life was very much A practical example And exercise in that In that Which is like I, He وسلم, was free from these dependencies His dependency was only Allah And he's not letting anything Get in between That in, in, in that uh, In that reality Right, so 
like one of the hadith in that regard that's really remarkable is one of the narrations says that one of a woman came and visited the house of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he wasn't there. One of his wives, <coughs> and she saw what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam slept on, which was just like a straw mat, you know, like a reed mat, and she was shocked by it. So you know, sometimes you read these things and you think, oh, he was just doing it because that's the way it was for them. No, that's not the way it was for them. Like, people did have comfort. And maybe not the same level of comfort that we have now, but people did have comfort. They did have food. They did have homes. They did have mattresses, right? So when she saw that, she actually brought a mattress to the house of the Prophet they would send them for him, like as a gift. That, look, like, let me give this to him. And when he came home, they would send them, he saw it, and he asked them, what is this? And he asked his wife, like, what is this? And she said, it was so-and-so came, and they saw, she saw that, what you sleep on? And she brought it. He said, no, take it, take it back. You know, like, I don't, I don't have any need for this. Um, like, for them, kings and them, they can have this world. Uh, they have this world, and they have nothing in the hereafter. As for us, we don't take things from this world, and everything we have is in the hereafter. This is paraphrasing. So there's, a, there's an extreme level of, uh, freedom in that, right? There's an extreme level of freedom in that because I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a slave to these things. So then, what is the way? If you focus like on the second half of this statement, the second half of the statement is the part that kind of unlocks it. So, what is it that makes the person the slave? What is it the person that what is it that um, takes away their freedom? Is that tama? Is the um, is is that desire that coveting? Right, so now you have two things that are coming from that covetousness, right? The covetousness in this one is taking the person to become a slave of that thing. And in the other one, the covetousness here in this one was what's leading them to some level of disgrace and dishonor and so on and so forth. So it's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing, this Toma. Um, it's also the thing that messes with sincerity, right? Because it... Yeah, you start to like want that appreciation, to want that respect, to want that praise, to want people to this and that and so on and so forth. You're not supposed to want any of those things. like we said last time. We're feeding you, we're giving you food for the sake of Allah. We don't want any thanks, we don't want any reward. This is the way of the way of Islam. Doing this like like what was mentioned in the one above it. That we're not doing this so people can praise us. We're doing this because we need to help people who are um, in a state of hardship, and that's that's like you know an honor for us. Allah give tawfiq. Uh, the next couple, to be quite honest, are a little bit scary, and uh, they might be somewhat relatable. It might be somewhat relatable. So he says, Radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa ardah, Mellam yukbil anallahi bimula tofati al ihsan, Qida ilahi bisalas al limtihan. من لم يقبل على الله بملاطفات الإحسان قيد إليه بسلاسل الامتحان. Whoever does not draw near to God as a result of the caresses of love is shackled to him with the chains of misfortune.
this is actually I kind of like this translation. This is the caresses of love. I like that. That's that's um, that's a really beautiful translation. Whoever does not draw near to God as a result of the caresses of love is shackled to him with the chains of misfortune. So this is saying like life will give you different things. Life will give you different things. Sometimes life will be really nice and really easy and really good and beautiful and the blessings that Allah gives the person are so remarkable and just mind-blowing. Like they might have blessings of a stable home and a place to live and lots of food to choose from to eat and the ability to go out and engage in acts of leisure and good company and a car that's reliable and beautiful weather and safety and security and it might give you all of these things and the person still doesn't like have any sort of gratitude to Allah any sort of like appreciation for for those caresses of love that he's given his servant he's just he's caressing the servant with all these mulatafat and ihsan these beautiful subtleties of, mad, of of beauty and love and kindness and generosity of ihsan that Allah is giving to the human being and they ignore it and they ignore it and they ignore it and they keep going and they act like it's story of the the man with the two gardens in Surah Al-Kaf, right? That this is my garden, and if Allah was to take my garden away from me, then I think He would give me better, you know? <laughs> like, it's just complete uh, arrogance, self-entitlement. Like, whatever Allah is giving me, He's just going to give me more. I mean, uh, you know, isn't it's basically like Allah is my servant. He's just going to do whatever I want Him to do. And uh, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, too. Uh, and this this is of course madness but he says that if the person doesn't go back to Allah and draw near to Allah and go to him uh, in through the caressing love that he gives them then they will be pulled to him uh, you know, is is actually pulled to him. They're they're taken to him and they're pulled to him through the chains of misfortune. You know, okay, you're not gonna recognize that, and of course that in itself is also a gift, right? Because if the person is going back to Allah, they're going back to Allah. It's still a gift, but and that's one of the beautiful things. Some of you may have seen the report, a little article that Dr. Uthman Umarji and. Um, Ustad Hassan Alwan wrote together for Yaqeen Institute. I think it came out today or yesterday. The days are all meshed together now. Um, and one of the things that they found was that like a good portion of the Muslims were feeling that their iman was stronger in the face of this trial and that they were reflecting upon the blessings that they have and so on and so forth. Um, so that, you know, if, as long as the person is, is going back to Allah, then going back to Allah is, is a good thing. But, I mean, it's much better to just recognize the gifts that He's given us and to be grateful for them and to appreciate them and to enjoy those beautiful caresses of the love and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than to be pida ilayhim. They're literally like if you put a chain around the person's neck and you drag them. So it's like you put a chain around their neck and you drag them to Allah. And now they're like, oh wait, everything is gone. Allah, I only have you. Yeah, you. we only had Allah anyways. That's, that's, there was only Allah either way, but now it became really clear. 
Um, so may Allah make us people who go to Him in the face of blessings such that we can be spared hardships. And by the way, for many of us right now, we're still not in hardship. Some some people are. But um, but for many of us, we're still not in hardship. Like I can say for myself, for sure, um, like we're still not in hardship. Alhamdulillah, like our, our water works, our electricity works, our neighborhood is still safe. Nobody's tried to steal my, steal my supplies yet. Um, we, you know, like, the, the weather is beautiful The sky is actually clear Like alhamdulillah we're still In a lot of blessings Some places are not And some people maybe next door are not in that same situation Maybe their money is running out Maybe their family members have been Afflicted in some sort of way So on and so forth But the point is that uh, We should try to recognize the blessings that Allah has given us And to make that a means by which We come closer to Him And we journey towards Him Inshallah Bismillah, 64. We'll do like maybe two more, inshallah. 64. Man lam yashkur in ni'ma faqad ta'arrada nizawaliha wa man shakiraha faqad qayyadaha bi'iqaliha Whoever is not thankful for graces runs the risk of losing them. And whoever is thankful fetters them with their own cords. So, So, you know, this, um, basically, what is it saying? It's saying that we have blessings. We have blessings that Allah has given us, or graces, however you want to translate it, blessings, good things that Allah has given us. And these things are exposed in a sense. So imagine they're there, like all of them are there, and they're exposed. And if if you just leave them there, you know, they're just there. I'm not paying attention to them, not giving them any mind, whatever it is. They're just there. And if you've done that, then ta'arrada lizawaliha. They've ta'arrada lizawaliha. You put them out there and you just left them there. So they might go. You've exposed them to being lost. He runs the risk of losing them. But in a sense, like you've exposed them to that. Ta'arrada as ard. Ard is like when you put something out to show it. Right? So. Uh, like the book fair is ma'rud al-kitab it's the, it's the time when you do ard of the books so if you have all of these blessings if we have all of these blessings and we haven't been grateful for them then it's as if we're just putting them out and you know it's like imagine all of the things that are valuable to you if instead of putting them in places where they're being uh, safe like behind a locked door, in a closet, in my pocket, whatever it might be, but in, in the bank, I just took all of my money and all of the property that I cared about and everything that was valuable to me, and I just put it out on the street. And like, you know, anyone who wants it, it might come, it might go, whatever, but I've exposed it to that. Uh, but 
if the person has been thankful for them, then those blessings, that's as if they got put in those secure places. They got put in the drawer, they got put in the bank, they got dealt with in this way or that way or whatever it might be. So now they've been locked up in a sense, they've been preserved, they've been fettered with their own cords by the act of gratitude, by the act of gratitude and thankfulness. Of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَئِنْ شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ If you are grateful, I will surely give you increase. I will surely give you increase if you are grateful. And gratitude has a number of different manifestations. The one level of gratitude is to actually express gratitude for the thing with one's tongue. فَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ To... Um, to uh, um, speak about the blessings that you have um, Even Ibn Taymiyyah He said that one of the meanings of that Would be like for a person Who has the means to wear decent and nice And respectable clothes To wear decent and nice and respectable clothes That's a tahadduth bin ni'mah That's to speak about the blessing That you have in a sense um, Another way is to um, Hold gratitude for it In the heart so to reckon, to like actually actively think, what are the things that I'm grateful for? And then to take those things that you're grateful for and hold them in the heart. And um, the other way is to let that manifest on the limbs, shows on the limbs. So if I'm grateful for X, Y, Z, then I use that thing that I'm grateful for in a way that is pleasing to Allah. And my using it, using that gift in a way that is pleasing to Allah is an act of gratitude. So doing any of those things would be a means by which the person uh, secures their blessings, in a sense. May Allah help us to do so. So there was a question that was asked privately. I think it kind of was answered. Focus on those three things. If you want to see how can I be grateful, not only to just say it, but to focus on the three. Because um, the saying is kind of like As with most things The words are not really the strongest When it comes to like words and actions And the heart The actions in the heart are generally stronger Than words right? Like how What I do with that blessing Is one of the greatest manifestations Of gratitude for it Okay so let's just do 65 Because it's kind of tied in Um and then, and then we'll close for the day. Um, so he says, radiyallahu an in this one, خف من وجود إحسانه إليك ودوام إساءتك معه أن يكون ذلك استدراجا لك سنستدرجهم من حيث لا يعلمون be fearful lest the existence of his generosity towards you and the persistence of your bad behavior toward him not lead you step by step to ruin. We shall lead them to ruin step by step from whence they know not. This is um, Surah Al-Mutathir, is it? Oh, no. Well, the one that he's quoting here is actually uh, A'raf A'raf 182 
Four verses Walladina Kadabu bi ayatina sanastadarijuhum min haitula yalamun wa umlilahum in na kaydi mateen. The seven one eighty two, yeah. It says that um those who reject our signs we will shall lead them to ruin step by step whence they know not and we will um plot against them essentially and my plan is strong. Allah is saying my plan is strong. So this word is is an important word. Oh my god, my foot is so asleep. La ilaha illallah. Things you don't pay attention to. Grateful for feet, for legs. Um, Istidraj is an important word. There's other places in the Quran where it comes up either by word or by concept. The concept of Istidraj is to recognize that just because Allah gives you something doesn't mean that He's pleased with you. And uh, it, it just means that He's giving you something. And that could be a means by which you are actually being misled. You're being left to your own devices. You're being left to go astray. So someone would be like, well, Allah gave me this, and He 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 gave me this. But they're not saying that out of, like, gratitude. They're saying that out of actually kind of, like, trying to use that as an evidence that they're good and they're special. Allah said, فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنَ التَّقَى don't, don't claim purity for yourselves. Allah knows best who is actually righteous. Right? So, but that is the draj. And people say that also with like non-Muslims, you know. If Allah is displeased with the non-Muslims, then why does He give them this and this and this? Or someone who's like, does bad things. And Allah, they still have a house and they still have stability and they still have this and this and this. Because that's actually istidraj. That's worse than the one that came before. The one that came before, which was you go to Allah by His blessings, and if not, then He drags you to Him by chains. And if not, then you're mustadraj. And if neither of those happen, then actually what's this is even worse, which is that um, He keeps giving, He keeps doing good to you, subhanAh, and you keep ignoring it. And beware then, that, and I'm only using you because He uses you in the, um, in the hikmah. Like I'm not using you as a you. And not me, it's us, right? That he keeps giving us these these good things, and we just ignore it, and we ignore it, and we ignore it. So, in such a case, we have to be concerned. Like maybe he's just leaving us to ourselves. Uh, there's a really beautiful statement that I believe it was from Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu an, and uh, he said that. Uh, but it was some righteous person. Take the meaning of it, which was that. Uh, the only time he's more happy than when Allah gives him what he asked for is when Allah doesn't give him what he asked for. <laughs> so sit, sit with that one for a second. The only time that he is more happy than getting what he asked for is when Allah doesn't give him what he's asking for. So because then he knows that the situation that he's in is actually the one that Allah wants for him. Like he knows for sure. Like, okay, this is actually... I'm supposed to actually not have this thing. And so... Now that's even more clear than having gotten it after asking for it. Not getting it after asking for it is even more clear than getting it after asking for it. Um, so 
And this is kind of like being with whatever it might be. Um, not being, because that to him was like an indication of not being left alone to your own devices, not getting everything that you asked for, right? Um, but just wherever it is that Allah is taking you, He takes you. May Allah give us tawfiq, may Allah help us, may Allah open our hearts to what is true and what is right and what is good. May Allah help us to worship Him in everything that we do and turn towards Him in everything that we do. May Allah make us people of gratitude and people of submission, people of love and mercy and generosity and kindness. Make us people of remembrance, people of mercy, compassion, people of sacrifice, people of jihad for the sake of the overall good. And um, may we do all of that with sincerity and without seeking uh, self-aggrandizement or glorification. And may we know him a true knowledge and witness him a true witnessing. Allahumma ameen. Are there any questions or anything? Any other further questions that people have? It's good to see some familiar faces, mashallah. Um, some people we haven't seen in a while, so it's really good to, to see their faces, mashallah. Let's see. No questions in the chat box? No hands going up on people's screens, so um, there's a hand. All right, we unmute you. There you go. Yeah. Beyond the cat. Good question. Um.